Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. I'm Zach Batty, and I am joined tonight with Tad Thorley, who's been gracious enough to share his evening with us. How are you doing, Tad? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, again, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? That kind of thing. I, I grew up in a very small town in southern Utah called Enoch, Utah. Okay. And when I was living there, I think the population was less than probably about 2,000 people. And it's near Cedar City, so it's not maybe super rural, but there were times growing up where it was like, go help your friend milk the cow so he can play, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> help your friend with his chores on the farm so that you can have time to play with him, things like that. So, um but yeah, I kind of looked around and I realized I need, I, I'm, I work in tech and there, there just wasn't a lot in small town Utah. So sure. since then I've kind of moved up to the big city and things like that. But yeah. What, what was your mom or dad doing that took the family to Enoch, Utah? Uh, my dad uh, was a school teacher. Um, okay. So and and he grew up in Cedar City. Like if you go back to like Brigham Young and the early saints coming across the plains, um, a lot of my early ancestors were sent down to this iron mission down in Cedar City. And so like the Thorley family, some of my other ancestors all were sent there and and stayed. So that's it's like if you go um you drive downtown cedar city you'll see like the thorley building there's like a thorley music hall at the at the college there the university yeah. um, things like that so uh that's kind of my roots in my hometown do you know why it's iron county yeah because it's the iron mission they thought there there are some uh iron deposits or whatever there um there weren't enough to sustain things long term but it was part of Brigham Young's thought that we need to have all these resources to be self-sufficient and so he sent a bunch of people down there because iron was a was a need right iron sure. was one of the resources that they they needed to kind of be self-sufficient so I uh, never knew that. What I've always yeah, wondered, like, you, why in the world do we have an Iron County, Utah? Yeah, it's because the mission, right, to go to yeah. Iron Mission. Uh, there's actually a really great museum on Main Street in Cedar City that has all the details and things like that. So I'll plug is, my my hometown. That is cool. Very cool. Okay, so your dad's a school teacher there. Um, yeah. But you grow up and and you get to the point where you say, Hey, this, I don't want to stay in a small town anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like what I wanted to ultimately do for my job and, and a lot of things required kind of a bigger city. So. Yeah. Okay. So you moved to the raging metropolis of Cedar city. Well, Cedar city is just the South. Um, I really moved to like Salt Lake area. Okay. So. Very cool. And, and you see it now, I mean, uh, like Point of the Mountain, you know, it's kind of between these two major hubs of Provo and Salt Lake. And so they build everything kind of between because yeah. those are the two centers of mass kind of for the tech stuff. And so you, you see tons of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Adobe, I am. Of course, oh, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Like flash anymore, there's. But. There's new buildings all the time going up, yeah. new startups or new new tech businesses. So, okay, you know, it's it, here in this area, it's, it's really thriving. So, yeah, um, I assume you went to school for that. I did. Uh, tell us about that. When you leave town, was it hard for your parents for you to leave town? I think so. Yeah, 
I know my mom cried and gave me a hug and things like that. Um, I entered, uh, I entered U- University of Utah on a chemistry scholarship, Whoa. but ultimately I graduated from Utah State University with a computer science degree. So how did you go from chemistry to computer science? Uh, it, I really enjoyed learning chemistry, but it turned out I didn't enjoy doing chemistry. Um, it, after a while, I just realized it wasn't for me and I didn't enjoy the classes I was going to, except for the classes for my minor, which was computer science. And so ultimately I'm just like, uh, I should just make my minor my major and and do that because that's what I enjoy. So yeah. Okay. So why did you transfer from University of Utah to Utah State? That's interesting because I I actually kind of left Utah University of Utah because I was going to classes I didn't enjoy it and I realized I'm like I don't know why I'm paying for classes that I don't enjoy. So my thinking was, I'm just going to go home, save up some money, figure out what to do with my life. And I was actually um, just mowing my parents' front yard. And my old teacher from high school, uh, my I think she taught me trig, was walking by. And she she stopped and started talking to me and stuff. And... And I I kind of explained things and she's like, oh, I thought you were going to Utah State. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to Utah State. And she's like, I thought you'd always go into like computers or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of, kind of thought about it. But something about that conversation kind of stuck in my head where I'm like, yeah, why don't I go? Like something like felt right about that. And so it was just a kind of an odd conversation. I don't know, Providence or something, but uh yeah, like that's the conversation that's kind of convinced me to switch majors and switch schools. Yeah, yeah. Just, and I don't know why. It was just like her misremembering or misunderstanding put that idea in my head that uh, maybe I want to head up to Logan instead, right? Sure. Okay. All right. So you finished school at Utah State uh, yeah. with a computer science degree. And then what do you do? Are you right in the job field? Was it yeah. Difficult? Um, I, well, not directly. I graduated at one of the worst times to graduate with a computer science degree. Um, I didn't know there was such a thing. It, it was back right back during back. the dot-com bubble. Like oh, the dot-com okay. bubble had burst and everyone had lost their job from all that yeah. stuff. And so, yeah. I was, I graduated and I was applying for jobs fresh out of college and I was competing with people who had 10 years of experience. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, be able to compete with this. So I, I realized that there were some holes in my education and, and there's this girl I kind of liked at the time that, was in, in Logan. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get my master's degree and then I'll, I'll figure it out from there. But uh, yeah, I got my degree, I graduated and, uh, and that's when I entered kind of the workforce and, you know, for many years later, I'm still doing that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, anything happened with that young lady? Um, she's my former wife. Okay. So so yeah, we got married. Oh, very nice. And, uh, How long were you married? Uh, almost twenty years. Okay. Um, are you, is that something you're comfortable talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like it's <laughs> uh, before we started, um, we were talking about grief and loss and uh the gospel and finding yourself and all those things and so yeah um for the last over a year and a half I've been going through this divorce process and I think um it's been really hard but um like we were talking about earlier 
Um, there's some things that I think that you learn from hardship that, uh, that you're just like, Oh, okay. Right. Um, it's, it's interesting because I had, uh, a series of events. Uh, I had my, my grandpa on my dad's side passed away and then, uh, I, I lost my job. My grandpa on my mom's side passed away. Uh, my wife filed for divorce. So there was like a, a whole lot of things, like major seeming life events that kind of happened like in succession. And and now that I look back on it, I was like, wow, that, that was a hard period in my life. How right? close are those three events to each other? Um, they all happened within about eight months, probably. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. a tough eight months. Yeah. And let's see if I, if I, my timeline's correct, you said you've been going through the doors for about 1.5 years. So did all of this start happening during the COVID lockdown? Uh, yeah, that's when um, things probably got hard. Um, so you've got a pandemic. Yeah. And she, she filed, um, Probably as we were, gosh, I'm not always great with dates. Uh, probably after we were like coming, kind of coming out okay. of the of the pandemic. So, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I mean, first of all, tell us about you. You were married 20 years. Any kids? Yeah, I've got three kids. Okay, um, they're fantastic. You know, and one of the um, Probably one of the best, the most heartening things is that she and I both uh, love our children immensely, and we're both trying really hard to make sure that we kind of reduce the impact on our kids, and we both make sure that they both feel loved and and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's so key through all of this. Um, okay, so tell us about. Tell us about the beginning of your marriage. And you know, I mean, maybe let's kind of get into that. I assume that I mean if you've been married 20 years, there were some good times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think for most people it wasn't always hard times, right? Yeah. Um so but yeah, I um I honestly I don't think I'm gonna get into it a ton just because um i know this is going to be public and so i'm not gonna share things about her or whatever because oh yeah of course um, That's fine. you know like i, I want to i still respect her and, and things like that so um okay so may, i mean maybe let's talk about that because i feel like there are so many divorces out there that aren't civil you know so yeah. many so many people would jump at the opportunity to say Oh yeah, I got some things to share about my ex-spouse. Why 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 isn't that you? Um that is <laughs> that is a great question. Probably um even though we obviously have had our differences lately um I can remember things too, where she helped me through some hard times, right? Like um, she helped me through uh, kidney stones, right? Like some of the most intense pain I've ever had. Uh, she helped me through a herniated disc. Yeah. Um, uh, she helped me. I was really close with my, my grandma on my, uh, on my dad's side and you know I and when my grandma passed away that was really hard and she helped me through those things and so um it's it's tricky right because mm -hmm. you um you know someone pretty well and so um and the other thing is just um there's a, I can't remember where I first heard it, 
but um, but somebody said that you can't repent by confessing other people's sins, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's like you know I could uh, I could think about her flaws and her contributions to why we got divorced, but ultimately that's not going to heal me. Right. That's not going to help me. That's just going to, um, <clears throat> that's going to be a hang up that I'm going to eventually have to get over and get mm-hmm. through. So I might as well do it now. Right. I tell you what, I mean, that, that alone is worth putting a lot of thought and effort into and letting that idea sink in of it it sounds to me like your goal is healing and progress uh not revenge at all you know not uh, anger or revenge and that's huge i think yeah. a, lot, and, a lot of people aren't there and to be honest that's not <laughs> I, I, you know i say these things and it's not like i've mastered them or i even feel that way every day right um honestly uh it's um it's been really interesting to look back in retrospect because i was just uh i was just devastated and i was broken and i was um i was really understanding what grief was about right because um divorce is really hard and and i've talked to people who have been divorced and it's it's kind of nice because they get it where other people just don't right because divorce it feels like um it feels like death it feels like suddenly someone that was in your life is out of your life and it feels like so it feels like death but not quite and you're used to coming home to your kids every day and now you come home to your kids maybe like half the time right Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like kidnapping or something like suddenly your kids are out of your life but they're not quite and um there's so many things that were like common and familiar that are suddenly gone and and grief is loss right grief is i've lost something and i need to process that and um unless you've lost something significant right you don't know what grief is like or you don't know um that process um it's it's tricky because a lot of people will um there's a lot of like phrases that people will use with you like you know oh you'll be okay and you know all things will pass and you know like there's there's all these things but a lot of times they don't help um a lot of times it's uh you you can't look at the future you have to sit and feel the feelings that you're feeling at that moment, right? You and and they talk about the stages of grief, but really you can have any of them. At least that was my experience, and, and some of these other people I've talked to. Really, you can be angry, and then you can be sad, and then you can be denial, and then you can I I forget what all of them are, but they don't necessarily come in any order, and they don't necessarily go away once you've done them one time through right yeah it's a very a while yeah it's not it's not like you go through the circle and then you're done it's you bounce around and hit these different things at different at different times and um, what i've learned and i is that you just have to be with people wherever they're at um I remember I had, there was a point where um, I was just so distraught, like I was physically ill, like I couldn't even eat. Um, I just felt nauseous. 
And I had a coworker that reached out to me and he, he's like, Hey, are you doing okay? And I, I just broke down. I'm like, I'm not, I am not doing okay. I'm not doing okay at all. I don't, I can't even eat right now. Right. And so he came to my house and picked me up and drove, drove me. And he's like, well, what do you think you could eat? I'm like, well, I can probably eat pancakes. That seems kind of bland, like pancakes without any syrup. Right. Just, and just something real simple. And, um, and I remember he drove me to an IHOP and, and bought me breakfast and it was just, (laughs) just like such a nice touch for him. But he sat there and just watched me and I just ate a bite. I'm like, okay, I'm going to chew this and I'm going to swallow it. Okay. You know, I kind of wait for a moment. Okay. I was able to hold that down, you know, take another bite, take another bite and, and took me about oh gosh, an hour to eat a stack of pancakes, right? Mm-hmm. But as we were sitting there talking, he's like, because um, he had he had gone through divorce and stuff as well. And he's like, sometimes you're just, you feel like you're just stuck in the mud. And, and there's nothing that you can do at that point other than just be stuck, right? And people will come by and be like, oh, man, you look really dirty. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm 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 stuck in the mud right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then people come by and be like, oh, gosh, look, you're you're stuck in the mud. And you're like, well, well yeah, I, I'm, I'm this is just kind of where I'm stuck right now. Right. And and people will come along and, and say, like, oh, you know, I've got some great advice for you you should use soap and and like wash yourself off. And you're like, well, eventually yes. But right now I'm just kind of stuck. And um, I think what people really need at that moment is just someone to sit, be like, oh, I see you're stuck in the mud. Why don't I come sit in the mud with you for a moment and, and just be with you and, um, and just be like, yeah, you know, let me, validate whatever you're feeling right now right because that's the one of the hardest things um i think with all the things people say to you when you're grieving is it it feels like it's invalidating what you're feeling or whatever you're currently experiencing and it's just so um it's just so nice to have someone come along and say like oh you're really angry right now that's okay. That's probably probably what's whatever stage you're at, and that's that's probably good for you. That's probably okay yeah. for you to be angry, or it's probably okay for you to be sad, because that's part of the grief process, right? And for someone to just come along and be like, "Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I, if I were in your same situation, I would also feel pretty terrible, right?" Um, to, to get those kind of messages, I think, are probably the most helpful for someone that's really um, going through something like that. You know, I, I feel like that is, and I'm not a linguist, but when we talk about mourning with those that mourn. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's what that's about, where I'm not, as, as someone who wants to mourn with someone else who is mourning, I'm not trying to solve your problem right now. Yeah, exactly. Sit in the mud with you for a little bit. And and I feel like at some point, and, I, and I'd love your opinion on this. Again, I'm not a linguist, but in my mind, mourn with those that mourn is I'm going to sit in the mud with you. And then comfort those that stand in need of comfort is at some point we do have to get out of the mud. Yeah. And And, and when the time is right, then I'm going to say, to use your metaphor, hey, I got a bar of soap here. Do you feel like washing up, or can I help yeah. you throw? Up? So, how did you? The know? thing is, a lot of times, it's you just go through the process and you you get through it yourself. And there's you can't you can't skip steps. There's no shortcuts, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just. I it's a process and I've got to go through it and 
and nobody can encourage me. Nobody can help me. No one can push me through the experience. It's just a process that eventually I'll get through and I don't know how long it will take, but I'll just have to, I'll just eventually get through it. Right. And I can't put expectations on that. Right. I can't be like, Oh, I'm going to be happy in two weeks because you know, you don't know how long the process is going to take. You don't know, always know what form it's going to take. Right. You just have to say like, okay. And I found that, um, you know, people can, can try to help, but you're like, it's not, you know, you can't help, you can't help me bypass things. I just have to experience steps. Right. So, um, but you know, give me a hug. I would love that. Right. Mm-hmm. Give me some support. Give me some, some empathy. And, and uh, unfortunately I mostly have to do it myself and it just yeah. is going to take time. How did you, and how do you keep yourself from permanently being stuck in the mud? Um, because I, I'm sure I know I know yeah. I, I know people who I believe are stuck in the mud. I don't want to put yeah. Yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I assume we all know people who um, you know, it's been like it's been 15 years and you're still just livid about your ex-wife. Like, right. 15 right. years is a long time, man. Maybe we should. Start. Yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know. Okay. I, I know it worked for me and I know my process and I know um, some other examples of people I've talked to who um, have kind of gone through some grief. Um, there's a gal I know who I talked with who uh, lost her son, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she, I mean, it's still hard for her. I mean, it was years ago, but I think parents losing children is a lot harder um, just because you, you assume that you're going to grow old and outlive them and, and you'll see their grandkids and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and that loss is not, um, is not something you can easily work through. So, um, but the thing that I think, has probably helped me the most um okay uh i can i can already feel the emotion coming on i can already feel the some tears so let's see let's see how i do um i think we talked about this is that i at the beginning i was just like uh devastated because i was like my thinking was the person who knows me the very best in the world has rejected me. And and what does that mean about me? Right? Like she knows me better than anybody and she finds me unbearable. What, what does that mean? Right. What does that mean about me? And, um, and that's, really hard to kind of wrap your head around and and then i like took a step back and i'm like well wait there's someone who knows me better than me better than her and that's me but you know like i don't feel great about me either right now right like i'm i'm really feeling kind of broken and i don't I don't know how well I like me either right now. Um, but then you you take a step back from that and you're like, wait, there's some <laughs> there's somebody that knows you even better than you know yourself. And that's your father, and that's your creator, and that's your brother who um you know, he's surely he has borne our, our griefs and carried our sorrows, right? 
And so um, for me, it was just like, okay, you know me better than me. Can you put me back together? Because I feel kind of broken right now. And uh, for me, that was just, uh, it seemed like uh, people, if you look, right, it feels like people get put in your path when you need them, right? And for me, that looks like uh, I moved into a new ward and I have a ministering brother who, you know, divorced and remarried. And how he ministers to me is he, he'll text me and like, hey, let's go for a walk and chat. And um, I happen to live downhill from the Timpanogos Temple, right? And so our route is we we walk up the hill and we loop around the temple and come back. And, uh, you know, and then, and that seems to fix me a little bit, you know, just, just doing that. Um, uh, um, and just going to the temple every week, right? Every time I go in, I... I'm like, oh, you know, sit in the celestial room and you come out and you 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 feel a little bit better. Like I always look at the people coming out of the temple and I never see anyone that's like really sad or frowning or things like after they've gone to the temple. Right. It seems like everybody, regardless of what burden you've taken in, um, it's been lightened by the time you you come out. Um Yeah, uh, I. Hmm, we'll see how well I do with th- this story. Uh, there was a probably several months ago. Uh, I came out of the temple and and sometimes it's like the the spirit pushes you towards people, right? Like almost as like turns your head and like, hey, that person. Um, and and I came out and there was there was somebody there and he looked kind of down and I just felt like I need to talk to that guy. I need to ask him. I need to. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I just felt compelled to just go uh, approach him and, and, and talk to him. Right? And I went up to him and I said, oh, hey, how you how are you doing? How's it going? Like, what's going on? And he was just, um, he was just in tears, right? Like he was, um, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is significant. Uh, and so he and I kind of like, you know, went to the side to, um, let other people coming in and out and, and he starts telling me his story, which is, uh, his marriage was falling apart. He felt like he was having a rough time with his kids, having a rough time with his job. Like, you know, like he starts going through all these things in his life. And, and, and he, he told me that uh, he was just basically um, his wife had kicked him out of the house. He, he wasn't sure where to go or what to do. And he had just been driving around and uh and and he saw the temple in the distance and he's like, "I don't have a current temple recommend, but uh maybe I can just go and sit in the foyer, and just sitting in the foyer will probably help me at least like collect my thoughts and maybe feel a little bit better right and so uh so he he came parked and he's sitting in the foyer and uh a few minutes later, that's when I kind of came on the scene, right? And uh, and he just starts telling me about like all these things going on in his life and like his marriage and like his struggles. I'm like, oh gosh, I I I relate to that, right? And he's he's telling me these things, and I and like every time I'm like, oh wow, yeah, that was me. Like that was me eight months ago. Oh wow, that was I've I've been through that. Right. And I just and 
and he he said like I don't even know God cares about me or if he's aware of me and uh, I'm like well I'm here right like <laughs> he grabbed a guy who could relate to what you're going through and he put put him in your path right like and I'm just like oh man like um maybe all these things I'm going through have some meaning right maybe um maybe the things I've learned <laughs> could be a little bit helpful to some other people and uh and yo, know, and he kind of cried, and I cried because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know what's happening, but I think I'm an answer to a prayer. And uh, you know, I just gave him a hug and kind of held him for a bit, and and then he's like, oh wow, I'm so glad you came along. I'm feeling so much better. And uh, <laughs> and and I kind of went on my way, and and he left, and I just. I just got back to my apartment and I just started to cry and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're, you really are paying attention, right? You really do care about us and you're <laughs> kind of working behind the scenes to make these, to, you know, make these interactions and, uh, you know, maybe if you're looking around, maybe if you're listening, um, maybe, you know, maybe he is uh, kind of having people run into each other and, and uh, you know, help each other out and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's probably where one of the times I realized, okay, like, um, this isn't just suffering for suffering's sake this is um you know i i've learned a few things maybe i'm a little more sensitive to other people than i was before um you know maybe uh maybe suffering teaches us empathy you know maybe um you know maybe there's there's some reasons behind some of this stuff, right? So, um, but yeah, like, uh, just to, to circle back, um, I think to get out of the mud, you just have to start looking around and saying like, well, God doesn't want me to be here, right? Um, he's going to put some stuff in my life to get get me out of the situation, Maybe I just need to look around and see it, right? Yeah. Maybe I need to be in the right place. Maybe I need to go to the temple every week and and uh, and get, you know, go in for a fix up every now and then just to to get the, um, you know, get my get my sense of self corrected or whatever, right? Yeah, you know, and one of the things I love about your story is that. Here you are struggling with self-worth. The person who knows me the best doesn't like me. I don't like me. However, I know that God likes me. God loves me and he knows who yeah. I am. And then not only, not only does God love you and love us, but even in that state, he shows you, not only do I love you, but you are a, an important part of my plan. You're an important part of my plan for that other guy that's struggling. Yeah. So it's not just, oh, I, you're broken right now, but that's okay. I love you, which is true, but it's, you're broken. Okay. You're broken right now, but you still have value to the plan. I still need yeah. you. you have a place here and you have value here. And I think uh, probably one of my favorite sections um is in the first of the book of Moses, right? Like it says Moses was caught up to an exceedingly high mountain and 
and God and 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 Moses was you know before this he's like I'm slow of speech I'm are you the guy that am I the guy you want for the job right like um and it's pretty common with a lot of these prophets that are like really me like am I the one <laughs> surely you know <laughs> there's somebody else you know yeah, you yeah. you know a lot of people and you know what's going on and um and and in that first part of Moses, God shows Moses like everything. He's like, look at look at what I've created. Look at what I can do. Look at my power. Look at my glory. Look at look at all these things. And then he turns around to Moses and he says, and you're my son, right? And and that really, I think, is the is the part that really changed Moses's perspective, right? And he said, not only are you my son, but you're in the similitude of my my son, Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So you're my son like Jesus is my son. And you're like, oh, wow, that's that's crazy, right? And, and then, you know, he kind of backs off and and Satan shows up on the scene and Satan's like, Hey, uh, me too, right? Like worship me, like I'm, I'm here, right? And and Moses just looks at Satan and he's just like, oh my gosh, you are, you're just, you're nothing, right? You're, you are absolutely nothing. You, I, I, I have like the clearest perspective right now is that, oh my gosh, like I couldn't, I could barely handle God's glory. And then you show up and you're just like normal mode, right? Like, yes, yes. I, like, who are you? Like, you're nothing to me, right? And, and that was, that's such an interesting uh, perspective, I think, that Moses is like, wait a sec, I, I can see clearly how things are more clearly than I've possibly seen. Is that okay? God is crazy powerful. I'm his son. And and the the interesting thing is he says, Moses, you are my son, and I have a work for you, right? He's like, Okay, look what I can do. You're my son, so I'm gonna give you a job. And like, man, are you how capable are you at that point, right? Like, oh man, like if God's got my back, like, I guess I could do whatever. Right. So, um, I think that's kind of the, the thing that kind of fixes our perspective, right. Is, um, sometimes we, we lose track of that and, and, and we need like a reset. Right. And, and Moses went up to the mountain for me, I go up the hill to the to the temple, right? Yeah. And uh and I don't get quite the same experience that Moses did, but you know, it 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 helps, right? Sure. Wow. Well, Pat, I really appreciate you um being so vulnerable and sharing this. I feel like there are a lot of people out there that are mourning and whether it's divorce whether it's the loss of a loved one whether it's their life is crumbling around them because they lost their job or i mean you had all three of those things happen just yeah um and i i think that you know like like you said of just staying close to your heavenly father and getting a reset and understanding your role in life and in the eternities that's huge. I mean, the only way to get through any of these things is with the Savior and staying close to him. Yeah, because um, like I said, he, he's the only one that gets it, really, right? Like like when I said, oh, this person who's um, other people who haven't experienced divorce don't really get it, like people who have experienced divorce, right? And 
and that's kind of the I think that's he's the he's the ultimate I get it person, right? Yeah. Well. Do you think just kind of in in closing? Yeah. Are you closer to your savior now than you were 18 months ago? Uh, I I hope so. I would like to think so. Yeah. Um I think it's Yeah, really that's um when when these big life things happen, it's they always seem like decision points, right? Like you're like Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stay the course. Am I gonna try something else, right? Like, because it can really feel like because um, you can like I can look back and I, I could be like, I went to church every week, you know, like I paid my tithing. Why am I getting a divorce? Like, this seems unfair. This seems, you know, like, okay, like you promised me blessings, but I don't feel very blessed right now, right? Like, I don't feel like you're even, like, caring about my situation. Um, And it's it's really tricky. Um, So I think it's... I forget I forget which author um but they say that the the three uh what what are they um there's three parts there oh the three p's there's there's three p's to depression right is that um you think the negative things are personal uh, meaning that you're the only one that's kind of experiencing this, and then you, and then it, it feels pervasive, meaning like it feels like it's it's coloring every aspect of your life, right? Um, that like it's just kind of everywhere, and then it feels uh, permanent, right? Where you can't, that nothing you can do is going to escape this feeling, right? And so people that are really severely depressed feel like these things are are permanent, pervasive, and and personal. And it's really interesting to see um, how God talked to Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail, because you can see Joseph Smith is like, you know, why are these things happening to me? And and it's, and it's feeling very personal, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, God, why are you ignoring me? Where, you know, the the whole, why is the oh, yeah. pavilion covering your hiding place? Or I forget the exact wording. And um, and then it's like, you know, he's like, I'm I'm stuck here in jail, right? Like, and my enemies are laughing and um and god comes to him and he says okay first of all this has happened before and it's going to happen again like this is something that just prophets people that follow me sometimes experience right and so god's like okay this isn't personal um so you know, the, it's it, it's kind of part of the the whole package, right? And so he comes in and he kind of um, corrects that that personal thing, and then he's like, okay, it's not pervasive. Like, not everyone hates you. I mean, you still have friends and family and and people that support you and love you. So it's not it's not pervasive, right? And and then he says, and this will be for a small moment. Right. And um, and so it's not permanent. Right. And so 
um, I think it's very easy for us to to kind of fall into that those depression things or or those um, you know kind of that that mode of thinking, but God's like okay you know if if you'll if you'll look to me and you'll listen I can. I can fix your thinking like and I, I want to do a quick caveat here. Like I think if you need medication for getting over depression or all sorts of things, mental illness, right? Like, you know, God's not going to you. You might need to have more than prayer to get through your depression or whatever. Right. Um, but I think that's, so, the, that's the beginning of it. Right. Is open yeah. up the communication so that God can say. Hey, you need to go talk to somebody. So, yeah. So, so the spirit yeah. can prompt you to say, "Hey, maybe, maybe you need to make a phone call." But, but, um, right? Like, if you, if you're, if you're like, okay, I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna listen. What, what do I need to know right now? Right? Help yeah. me out. Right? And and I think God at that moment with Joseph Smith was maybe a little bit like, okay, may, can I give you a little bit of humility too? Because, you know, the son of man has descended below all of this, hmm. right? Are you greater than he? And it's like, okay, right? Let me, let me correct your perspectives a little bit. And, and, like okay that's hard that's really hard but if you if you kind of turn and look around and you're like this is real hard and i don't get it and i don't understand but um i'm gonna hope that you're gonna help me out right then i think it i think it helps i think it, it works out but yeah. it's sure it's it's sure rough in the like I don't fault people who are in hard times that uh, say like I can't do this I don't get it I don't know why right because you can't know why right like I'm I'm a mortal person with a mortal brain and I. And I just know that it's real painful and real hard. Yeah. Right. Maybe you have a divine perspective and, and all sorts of things, but, oh man, like my mortality and my simple, whatever is really, really struggling right now. Right. Yeah. Well, and like you said at the very beginning, um, you don't always feel celestial you didn't you didn't say that what you said was i said that's a great perspective to have and you humbly said well i don't have this perspective all the time yeah and yeah. i think we have to give ourselves that license i mean there's one thing to have um you know unhealthy emotional swings Th that aside i think we have to give ourselves permission to have a bad day and to say man today i was feeling pretty telestial today i was angry and I was mad at that yeah. person. I'm mad at God. I'm mad. You have to give yourself license to to do that and to make progress. And that through that, still communicating openly with your Heavenly Father. Hey, today sucked. Today was a punch in the gut. And I'm mad. Yeah. And quite yeah. frankly, I'm a little bit mad at you. Yeah. But and it, it could praying. be not just this day. It could be this week. It could Thank be this you. month. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Like it's. Yeah. And that understanding, um, just like just like the stages of grief aren't a linear one time path, neither neither are our emotions. We no. don't have one day and then every day gets better and better and better, 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 better till we're all healed. That's not how it works. It's a it's a one step forward, three steps back, four steps forward, a half step back journey that everybody goes through. And yeah. If you, if you beat yourself up for doing that, I don't think that's healthy. 
I don't think that's how progress is made. Real progress is made. So, well, again, Tad, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, I feel like there are a lot of people out there that can that are, that are in your boat, and they're either yeah. you know they're well, a couple months behind you, or they're a couple months ahead of you, or or wherever. Not again, not that it's a linear thing, but yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. We'll stick. We'll stick together. We're every. We'll mourn with. We'll mourn with those who need mourning. Yeah. So. I, I. I hope that. You know, I've learned some insight, and something I've shared can help somebody else. Because, uh, if not, then it's just plain suffering, and that stinks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. We're all. We're all helping each other out somehow. Oh, I know that for sure. Um, it'll take me uh, it'll take me just a couple days to edit this and the, to put it online. It actually might take a, a week or two. Okay, but I'll let you know when it's done, and I'll send out the link to you. Okay. Man, I I really appreciate it. I I think um, oh well, I've I've said it three times already, but I'll say it one more time. Um, I think there are a lot of people in your in your situation and it's so helpful to know that other people are in your situation yeah it's honestly it's really hard to be divorced in this church mm. it's really hard to be single yeah um for me it's really hard to be in the in-between like i'm technically not quite divorced yet like it's mm -hmm. still uh the the papers are signed they're submitted to a judge and he's i still am waiting for him to say like yeah okay yeah you're done right and because you're not single right like i i'm technically if i date i'm adultering you know right uh i'm not allowed to do the single activities and i i don't know if i'm in a good space to do them but then you're not married either right and um the married people you're very invisible to the married people to be honest like they don't think oh there's a single person in my ward i'll invite them over to do board games or there's a single person in my ward i'll socialize with them i think there's an assumption that they'll find some single activities to do it's like well no, I don't have single activities as an option. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm stuck in limbo and I wish someone would you know throw me a bone. I wish that Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because I've never thought about that. And you're right. I you just assume they're not gonna want to hang out with a bunch of marrieds. Like they're gonna want to hang out with a bunch of singles. Yeah, I'm gonna think of I'm gonna think about the but, board now and see. But maybe that's not an option for them, or maybe right. maybe they just don't want to. Maybe they don't want maybe, to. Date. Yeah, maybe. I mean, gosh, like you know, it's something you kind of got to ease back into. Sure. <laughs> it's not it's not easy. So yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm gonna. I'm going to review my actions now. Hmm. That's worth thinking about. Yeah. Um, an interesting, and it's interesting because a lot of times I'm, I'm going to put in a plug for uh, all the divorced men that I know now that I seem to be running into more and more divorced men that have kind of left the church and they're just like, man, it was rough and I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. So I kind of quit going and I'm like, that stinks, but I get it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just simple things like uh, I was talking to somebody and he was asked to do a calling and he turned it down. And he's like, it's actually, unfortunately, a married person's calling. And, and I was like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, and he's like, well, it's 
a calling where I would have to go to meetings early on the morning, early in the morning on Sundays. And I can't find a babysitter for my kids early in the morning on Sundays. I'm a single parent. That's just really, that's just really tricky to do. So um, somebody with a spouse that can leave their spouse with the kids when they go to that meeting, whatever, right? That's, that's kind of what they expect out of that calling. And I, that's just not me, unfortunately. And they don't consider that um, I'm a single parent that can't find a babysitter on a Sunday morning. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's interesting that the church has a lot more singles in it now than they've ever had before. And I think they're going to have to start rethinking how do we um, how do we help these single people fit, right? Like the single person in a family ward, how do they how do they fit in? Yeah, yeah. And how how everybody needs to be needed, right? I mean, one yeah. President Cletus said everybody needs three things: a, a friends, call, a, friend, a calling. Nourished by the good word of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to know that they're needed. Yeah, so and make sure that everybody in the in each different walk of life knows that they be, not only that they belong here, not only that there's a place here for them, but that they're needed. Yeah, and it's um, I I become I've become acutely aware of how much the church assumes pairs of people, right? Because it's like, it's super easy for the bishop to be like, okay, I'm going to get husband to give the opening prayer and wife to give the closing prayer yeah. in sacrament meeting, right? right? Or it's super easy for me to call husband and wife to be the two speakers in the, in, in sacrament next week, right? Just little things like that. Um, where it's like, oh, I've got this unit of husband and wife that I can assign to this thing. And and then you're like, well, I'm not a husband and wife. I'm just uh, me. Right. Yeah. Where do I where do I fit? It's like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well. Yeah, I mean, that's a good reminder for anybody in any type of leadership position or any position to just remember, remember the people that are in a different life space than you are. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, both, both of us know that there is a space for everybody. There, there is a space for everybody and everybody is needed. And yeah, just that, that um, human shortcoming. Um, yeah just assuming that everybody's in your same life situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really interesting. Like I, gosh, it's been a couple months ago. I saw this, this woman in my ward come in. She came in late and she's got kind of her kids with her and and once they sit down and she's like fixing their hair still and like doing that thing. And then she's like grabbing, you know, some granola bars or whatever out of her purse to like hand out to the kids. And I'm like, oh, I know what happened is she's got to get up. She's got to manage all of her kids and get them all to church. And this morning uh, the kids weren't going for it. And so she had to. Um, you know, she had to wrangle them as best she could and their hair wasn't quite done yet and they missed breakfast because, you know, they're running late. And so she's sitting in the back of the church feeling sad because she's like, man, I can't even. Yeah. Feeling like get to, I can't get I can't even get to church on time and my kids don't look great and I didn't give them breakfast and I'm beating myself up because. You know, like, you know, life's rough and, 
And it's just like, now I look at those people, I'm like, man, they're, they're living on hard mode. Mm-hmm. I look at the people that came early and sat in the pews and, you know, or sitting by their spouse and they're lovey-dovey and whatever. And they're kind of on easy mode, right, to get to sacrament. And those of us sitting in the back, you know, it was hard mode for us to even get here, but we're here, right? And yeah. so there's there's a degree of difficulty that I don't think is always appreciated. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, to that point of we don't know who's in easy mode and hard mode. Right. You know, we don't know that that mom and dad and six kids that are sitting in the second row and they're all perfect braided. You know, we don't know that. Oh, actually, um, that guy's business partner just got went to jail for embezzling. He lost yeah. his career. Um, third yeah, he's out, he's out of a job and he's, he's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and actually, we don't know because his wife's actually a heroin addict. You know what I mean? Like you we don't know anything but but i agree with you that and maybe that's the whole point of um i don't know if it was if it was elder iring may have been elder iring you know who said basically if every time you meet somebody you assume that they're going through a crisis you'll be right 50% of the time right yeah and just like man so just the idea of hey look whether whether you're the person who's pulling out grilled cheese sandwiches in the back of the chapel and your kids' pigtails are like wonky <laughs> and whatever, yeah. or you're the person who everybody thinks, man, they've got it all together. I wish my life was, you have no idea what heart is. Well, yeah. we don't know, man. Every Everybody is potentially going through something. And if you happen to be one of the 50% that isn't going through something right now, make your life a little easier for the guy next to you. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like offer to hold the PB and J if you can. 